Welcome to The Curiosity. I am your host. My name is Rachel. This is a podcast where we talk about things I'm curious in and things you're curious in. It's also a podcast where we give ourselves lots of permission. So me, the people I interview, and you, the listener, to come as we are, to swear, to have boundaries, to be flexible and change episode to episode, year to year, to edit things out, to talk about things that we are not experts in, and to play. Thanks for tuning in. Here we go. I have... Oh, got it. Perfect. This is where I would like there to be video attached to. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I rewatched the one with Carrie and I'm like, oh man, people are missing a lot. <laughs> There's so much good stuff that happens. Yeah. Well, you know, that's where maybe a YouTube channel could come in or maybe. something like that. There you go. Someday down the road. Listen yeah. to all these schemes as they're dropping in in real time, everyone. Uh-huh. Um, as you're getting to hear just uh, off the wall, random conversations, kind of the conversations that I have with Rachel, my guest today. And I'm going to say hello. I'm going to say welcome. And I'm going to let you jam, Rach, on whatever you want people to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my name is Rachel. Um, and you know, my last name is actually something that I'm playing around with and have been for a while. Um, I got married in 2017, I believe. (laughs) And, um, my maiden name is Kristiniak. My married name is Jensen. Um, and maybe a little bit about what we might talk about today. We'll hit on this, um, you know, like, uh, reclaiming myself and, um, breaking the mold and not feeling, um, like I have to do something or should do something. Um, and changing my name is one. So uh, you might see on my website and things like that, Rachel Jensen. Um, but like I mentioned, my my maiden name is Kristiniak and that's kind of what I might want to change it back to. So hello, my name is Rachel Kristiniak slash Jensen. Um, I, I, along with playing around with my name, I play around with um, my what I call myself for my job. And I land on somatic practitioner because I don't think that has any current, like, I don't know if that's a thing, you know, like somatic therapist is a thing. So I don't feel like calling myself that makes sense. Um, I'm traditionally trained in Chinese medicine. um, So that means I have my master's in Chinese medicine. um, And that gives me a license to stick needles into people and do acupuncture to prescribe Chinese herbs um, and lots of other things that are under like the Chinese medicine umbrella. And then like lots of careers like mine, um, you, you know, your whole world expands and explodes and you realize, oh my gosh, there's all these other things. Uh, A similar thing happened to me. So you know, I don't identify as an acupuncturist anymore. Like that's not the main thing I say I do. Um, it's one of the things. And then I do breath work, um, like Megan, although we have different uh, teachers, we took a different route there. Um, I am trained in Reiki level one and two. Um, it it kind of comes through sometimes, um, but again, it's not a main focus. Uh, and then the probably newest thing that's come on board within the past few years is ancestral connection. Um, That does have a name to it, which is ancestral healing, at least in my experience. Um, So to kind of identify that it's my own thing and I'm not necessarily practicing one particular lineage, I call it ancestral healing. So, I mean, yes, no connection. (laughs) 
I call it connection, ancestral connection. So all of those things, um, you know, I take them and combine them and say, I'm a somatic practitioner. Um, I currently practice acupuncture and Chinese medicine outside of a clinic in St. Paul. And I have my own practice, um, which is currently virtual, which I do more of um, the esoteric stuff that I just mentioned. That's I love that. Enough. We actually, I was really lucky to see Rachel in real life person today and just on the Zoom box. And we had this conversation a little bit starting today of where do we get into labels and can we, and, and we'll talk about this more towards the end, but Rachel starting a, has started a podcast around getting curious and not being so tied to this little tiny box of this is who I am and this is what I do and this is all that I talk about because we all get to start that where we can all start that way. And then so similar to you, Rachel, I just felt that as my world expanded, I wanted to take people on that journey with me. And I didn't want to just mm-hmm. be stuck in this little box and talk about the same stuff. Cause that got really boring to me. Mm-hmm. And there was so much work and healing and things that I got to explore with that I wanted to share with other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like our society, um, lives under this this like heavy cloud of shoulds and shouldn'ts and rights and wrongs. And there's a way to do something and there's a wrong way to do something. Um, and once I, you know, started doing my own work and realizing that John Mayer has a song. I love John Mayer. Uh, against probably, other people. I won't put you on the spot, but you likely can sing for us too. <laughs> yes. I love to sing. <laughs> Although his songs, he has a really low, uh, range and I just, it's too difficult for me. <laughs> My vocal teacher is like, you sing a lot of songs that are just out of your range. And I'm like, well, cause I'm afraid to go high. And I love John Mayer and he, he doesn't <laughs> sing high. Um, his, his, his first big song, which was called what it wasn't wonderland. Uh, I don't remember what it was called. Um, there's a verse in there about, I just found out there's no such thing as the real world. Um, yeah. And I got to sing it to remember it. I just found out there's no such thing as the real world. Just a lie. I've got to rise above. Very low. And that. You still got to sing for us. So my I still got to sing for you and open my throat <laughs> chakra and, and be a little vulnerable. Uh, you know, when I heard that, I was probably a freshman in college and I was like, I mean, the whole song is about that. It's about him leaving high school and going to college and transferring credits and the faculty telling him like what he should and shouldn't do and feeling like he's in this box. And he's like, I realized that the real world in quotes, quote, uh, the real world is, doesn't really exist. And Oh, it's kind of like the matrix. Chris and I are watching the matrix right now. Like, you know, my, my world exploded and I'm like, we're all in a fucking matrix. You guys, like we were in a matrix. And one of the, one of the, like, Oh, what's the word? Like game in life is to realize that for me, at least, um, and to break out of the matrix and to give yourself permission, um, to, go off the beaten path and kind of do your thing and not follow the mold, break the mold. Um, so yeah, I don't know where we started with that. <laughs> I love that. Actually, that leads really, really well into the little bit that I, the understanding of ancestral connection. 
Mm. Ancestral healing for me to, when you say break the mold, that's so much of how it's related in my world. So I would Mm. love to know, first of all, let's go deeper into that space. Yeah. Explaining what that is. Yes. And and how you share that with other people and why, and what your journey with that has been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talking about getting away from shoulds and shouldn'ts. So I have a, um, I'm still unraveling and tending to um, some religious trauma from um, when I was younger of really being told um, not to, a lot of where I learned shoulds and shouldn'ts and rights and wrongs um, and just these like total like uh, what's the word when things are opposites and you like pit them against each other um, can't think of the word. Uh, when I realized that I wanted to start challenging that stuff um, because things were coming into my world, like like the spirit world in a way of not just talking to white Jesus or white God um, and male Jesus, well, I suppose Jesus is a male male God, you know, when so I started been told, right? Right. Like, yeah, exactly. That's what we've been told. Um. And the people who told us, that's what they were told, right? And this gets into the ancestral connection stuff. Um, When I started to challenge those, kind of not willingly, (laughs) like a lot of this stuff happens, your world just shatters and you you either are like, well, uh, I'm going to die or I make another decision to learn and grow. Um, So I feel like that's when the ancestral piece came into play for me was to tend to some uh, deep-seated grief and uh, like the Western diagnosis of depression and the Western diagnosis of anxiety, um, I had done a lot of work up until then. And still there was like this piece where I'm like, I just, oh, I don't know, there's still some stuff. And the practitioner I was seeing at the time mentioned ancestral connection. And because of my past with that Euro Christianity religion, um, I was very fearful of going there. And this is a lot of people's experience. Um, so many of my clients, um, it's like with breath work, you mentioned that. And even without having any context, people are like, you notice they start to get nervous. Mm-hmm. And that's our intuition, right? There's something inside of us that knows this might really um, open me up to some things. So that's how it started, was being introduced to it. And it was quite a while until I said yes to it. Um, and and honestly, I just was was confused as to what it was and what it really has been for me is nothing like what I thought it was going to be. Um, I thought it was going to be, Oh my gosh. You know, one of the questions I asked my, um, wow, what do I call her? I suppose my practitioner, um, was I, she says, what's your fear? And I said, well, I feel like I'm just processing all my ancestors shit already. And it's just coursing through me. Why would I want to open myself to, up to more of that? And she goes, oh, okay. I, I feel like that's, oh, what did she say? It was so profound, but I can't quite, quite grasp it. Um, like that's what ancestral connection helps you unravel. It's kind of like they're here already and they're going to process stuff through you. So you might as well be mindful of it. And then you have a say 
in what happens and what your relationship is with them. It's like having a broken record player playing in the background. Like it's always, it's going to be there or like maybe a TV because we don't really have record players, but like somebody has a TV on in the house and you just start getting irritated, you know, and you don't quite sure know why. And then you realize, oh, it's because this program's on that's just kind of icky and I don't like what they're saying. It's going to be on. So why not walk over there and at least you can change the channel. This you know? is the shit that I love because this is somebody empowering themselves instead of playing victim. Even when we don't realize that we're playing victim to it. I don't always necessarily like that term of victim, but this isn't making an empowered choice to do something for yourself. And in breath work last night, I was leading and it's along the same lines of saying, if I'm acknowledging that I have a feeling or emotion or a trauma or what, whatever it is that I don't want to acknowledge, I don't want to feel. Mm-hmm. For so long, I thought if I just choose not to feel it or pretend it doesn't exist, I'm not going to be impacted by it. Oh, right. There, I'm dragging it along. Right. It's like clinging to me and I'm dragging this heavy, heavy suitcase. Right. When in reality, I don't think I'm strong enough to feel that thing or I'm mm-hmm. nervous to tap into an ancestral connection mm-hmm. because I don't want that shit to come through. It mm-hmm. already has been. So you're mm-hmm. strong enough to be holding it. If you're strong enough to hold it, you're strong enough to dive into it. We just mm-hmm. might need that practitioner or guidance or support or a safe container to help us do that in a way that is not engulfing because sometimes it can be right. too much. So how do we tap into it and mm-hmm. go back? How do you build your capacity and your resource to hold yes. and be in that space? Yeah, absolutely. So that context and having that safe space with so many of these things is of the utmost importance. And, you know, feeling safe is the the very first. It's like, that's like the foundation, the hierarchy of needs. I don't know what the first one is clothing or housing or something. Fuck that. If you don't feel safe, you're not going to go looking for clothing or housing. (laughs) You need to feel safe first. Yeah. yeah, So the part of the, the resistance for me was, um, Yes, not understanding um, that it was already coursing through me anyways. I was already processing centuries and centuries of stuff. And so to step into making the decision of, oh, I'm going to have autonomy over this now, that was such a huge paradigm shift. And then I was less afraid. And then also to understand that this can go as slow or as fast as you want to do. Like, mm-hmm. like energy work, right? You can tell the universe, look, I need you to slow down. Like, this is too much. And then you can also be in kind of a ho-hum stage and be like, I want to rile shit up right now. Um, and then also the more specifics of um, with the ancestral work that I do, we are connecting with the healthy ancestors. And that's really important to distinguish because so many people recoil away. And I ask, oh, what's, I, I see a, I see a resistance. They're like, yeah, I just don't really like my ancestors. Sure. A lot of us are um, resentful of what our ancestors have done. Um, And there's a lot of anger and grief. And it's helpful to know that those aren't the ancestors that we'll be dealing with when we do the work that I've done. Um, It's not going to be somebody in living memory or grandma and grandpa, or great grandma and grandpa, like you're not gonna have pictures around, you're not gonna be able to find them on ancestry.com, most likely. Mm-hmm. These are people, you know, who who are likely thousands of years 
back because this work is really, you know, the healthy, you're working with the healthy ancestors. So the question is, the healthy ancestors are, are the last people who've done this kind of work. So think about your lineage. When's the last time somebody has had a healthy relationship with their ancestors? Like, I've, I never heard about this. My family never talked about this, right? It just doesn't exist. It, it, most people in a modern day culture don't have a relationship with the spirits in this way. So when I had that shift, I felt more comfortable with it. Yeah, I was going to say, I really, really love that idea of not only do you get full autonomy over it, not only are you in the, in the driver's seat of how you're, you're turning the dial up or down, but it's, it's a healthy space. It's not because a lot of healing, I do think gets the, and for real reason, and this is a space we can tap into too, is a little bit of the darker, the heavier stuff. There is a lot, but it doesn't only have to be that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. only have to be that we can tap into. And I love that's where you take people mm-hmm. is the healthier, lighter connection that's mm-hmm. there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much weight is lifted or was from me when I realized, you know, because my question was, well, I don't even know if I have any healthy ancestors. And she said, oh God, we all do. If you go far back along before all of the colonization happened, I mean, this is before all the, the, the uh, Christian religion and, you know, the Catholics and the, uh, 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 Jewish and you know, all of this stuff. This is before that kind of like, um, oh, I just don't have the vocabulary yet. Before that stuff was in play, you know, when people did have choice and they were practicing their own medicines and nobody yet had come in to say, you can't do this. We're, we're taking this away from you. And here you have to do what we do. And you're going to dress like we dress. This, this is colonization. Um, so it's before all of that stuff. How has, how has tapping into this been transformational for you? Oh my God. I love that question. One of the profound things that started to happen was my close relationships shifted. So when you're doing this work, and by the way, nobody in specific is doing this healing. Like the spirits need us to do the physical things because they don't live in the physical world. And we need them to do the spirit stuff because they're in the spirit world. So as you, and then, you know, they need us to initiate the healing, at least in this time that we're in right now, because it's, hasn't, it's been stopped. Once you initiate the healing, you're healing them, they're, they're healing you. And then this goes, this goes down the line of like epigenetics. So the idea that we can turn our genes on or off. And when you start to initiate this process, there's like a ripple effect in time, which is so beautiful. And what I started to notice tangibly was some of my relationships that were strained. All of a sudden, we just started hearing each other. And I could see that person for who they really were instead of being angry about the past and what had happened in the past. Um, and it really can have, 
in my experience, it's been the relationships of my family, my close family members, um, because this is familial work. That so, feels so light to me. Mm, just listening to you, like it just, oh, I just feel like I can take a really big breath and it just feels really freeing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it so is. It so is. And once I started realizing that happened, you know, I've been told that that could be an effect. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'm all in, but right, like that's going to happen. <laughs> and when it started to, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. And then I'm like, I'm in, I'm all in, let's continue to do this. And then it just, you know, I, I continued. Yeah. And I know that we've talked about, and I really love going into this space of you practice the work that you have done and you have implemented in your life and you have crafted a way to do that in a way that honors a tradition and honors the practitioners that have shared it with you. Mm-hmm. And necessarily, we don't always need a plaque on our wall that says, mm-hmm. I sat through two weekends of XYZ this and XYZ this to have a certification or, mm-hmm. and I want to be careful with this because there are, there are places that that needs to be. I do, I do believe that there definitely are places there needs to be. And I also want to be careful in toting the line that I don't want to take something that is, um, I don't know the best word to say it, but that is somebody's culture and that is somebody's tradition. And I don't want to just like stamp myself and say like, now I do this. Mm-hmm. And, and that gets, there's a little bit of gray in that, but I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with that piece, but I just think it's important to touch on and to talk about. Yeah. Yep. I agree. What, what Megan and I were talking about before was my fear of, um, uh, getting sued. (laughs) It's been my fear ever since I became a, uh, an acupuncturist. Uh, probably because of past life shit. Like I was probably on the stand a million times. <laughs> um, and, you know, all of these things that, that, you know, we started popping up and everybody started getting certified. And like I mentioned, Reiki and then breath work and then uh, all of these healings, you know, that when, when you stop and take a look at it, they are not new. They can be called new age. And so much of new age is recycled material from a very long time ago. What has happened is the West is very great at taking an indigenous practice and deciding it needs a certification. And like you mentioned, this is a, this can be a sticky topic because there are like, I wouldn't want to be needled by somebody who doesn't have a license in, in acupuncture, Yeah, yeah. which happens. <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's a, a discussion in our world. Um, so, you know, it's nuanced, it's very nuanced. And for whatever reason, um, this world of ancestral connection hasn't yet been taken over by the West, as far as I know, and there's not. I mean, there's, there are programs that I know about that you can get certified to do a specific thing. 
And there's something so personal about it in, you know, I was talking to, to somebody who does breath work and I was, I was kind of grappling with this, like, do I start implementing this in my practice? Like, I feel very strongly about it, but I don't have a certification in it. And she's like, well, who can really tell you how you can connect with the ancestor and, and how, how you can't? And I was like, that's interesting. Yes. And there's something to be said about doing enough tending to your lineage to be at a certain place to lead other people through it. So here's where I'm at right now is, no, I don't have a plaque on my wall and I haven't taken, you know, certifications and I haven't been giving bless. I haven't been given blessings from, you know, certain tribes or cultures or practices to do certain this a certain way. So I don't claim to do it any certain way. You know, in in my release form, um, you know, it says, here's what I am. Here's what I am not. Um, I will take you as far as I'm comfortable going. And if I feel like you are surpassing where I can take you, um, I am happy to um, refer you on to somebody else who I know who has done this work for longer. So that's, that's where I am right now. And that's what feels comfortable to me. Um, it took a little bit to get there. Um, and that's where I sit today. And this is just for anyone listening to, as you are working with somebody, hiring somebody, I don't really care, honestly, in what capacity it is, but think about how does this person make me feel? And do they have my best interest at heart? Meaning, are they allowing me to be in control of the situation and to be a sovereign being in this? Is it for me and about me? Is it informed in a way that makes me feel comfortable? Mm -hmm. And in the same way with breath work, the breath work training that I've received, I, I do get a little bit on my soapbox and say, I don't want somebody just to go to whoever calls them a breath work practitioner to be breathed. Not because of the breath part, any person can tell you to breathe in and out of your nose and your mm-hmm. mouth for four and four. That's not like, to me, the nuance with, with that practice is not the actual breath. It's the container of safety around it. It's mm-hmm. the trauma informed lens and the deep trauma informed training that I went through and continue. Honestly, every week I go to a course to continue to understand that and create a safe container. It's the embodiment practices that allow me to hold a container for somebody, not merge my energy to stand in my, it's that it's those practices Mm -hmm. that I believe a good facilitator, no matter what, whatever you call yourself, practitioner, whatever, it's those things that make you a qualified person to work with, not necessarily, it's not my title that said, I learned how to teach somebody to try active breath, big fucking deal, breathe in and out. Like you've been Mm -hmm. doing it since you were born. That's not the complicated part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like a big piece in a lot of these trainings is learning about trauma. What is it? How do you hold space for people? How do you cleanse yourself? How do you set up, you know, healthy, energetic boundaries? That's what I feel is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, much to what you said, my breathwork training was like, uh, well, I, I, uh, I'm not comparing trainings because I don't know what you went through, but it, it, the anybody, I can teach that to somebody in five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. How to do this. What I can't teach somebody in five minutes is how to hold space. 
Yeah. How to hold energetic boundaries, how to understand your ego and see when that's getting in the way. Mm-hmm. That's what I really make think makes a, to your point, makes a qualified practitioner. And that's what I look for. Not necessarily, you know, the trainings, although that's helpful to see, but you could do a million trainings and not be able to hold space for me. And my words just fall at your feet and I don't feel a connection. Mm-hmm. So yeah, first and foremost, like I want to see that somebody has been working on themselves. How about that? How yeah. long have you been working on yourself is, yeah. is a big thing. How long have you been in this space? It's embodiment. You have to embody the work that you're doing mm-hmm. to be able to share it with someone else. Mm-hmm. And that does not mean you become a master at it. That, mm-hmm. be, that means that you're a few steps ahead of the people that you're exactly with. Yep. One of my uh, teachers says that uh, I, I told her I, I, br- I got super vulnerable and I broke down with her and I was like, my girlfriends and I like watch you on Instagram and we're like, oh my God, we're never going to get there. She's so great. And she does all these things. And oh my God. And she's like, Rachel, sometimes I'm just a few steps ahead of you. Yeah. And that's all, that's all we need to make this work. And she said, you know more about stuff than I do. There are some things you know more about than I do. And there are some things that I know more about than you do. That's what you pay me for, to talk about those things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's a relationship, right? So you're learning from each other. This actually really ties well into the other topic that we talked a little bit about earlier today was the space of core belief. Right. Like these stories that, and I'm going to let you explain what core belief is and the dark law as they use it in the shamanic world, but re but thinking about the stories that we craft about somebody that I see the stories that I craft about my fake world, my fake reality that I'm living that I totally make up in my brain and that are not true. I've just told myself them over and over and over again, that suddenly now it's a belief of mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this idea that Megan's talking about is um, in psychology, it's called uh, uh, core beliefs. Uh, there's probably a few other ones and we all have them. Um, and examples of them are like mine would be um, I'm not safe. It's a core belief. Um, I am uh, not good enough or like I'm not worthy that's that's a real common one um and they're they're about yourself and then they're about the world so the world isn't safe everybody's stupid people can't be trusted the world can't be trusted the world's a scary place to be in um these are core beliefs. And in the shamanic tradition, so I just took a class on um, ancestral connection and he brought in shamanic stuff because that's what he does. Um, They call it the dark law. Um, So it's just a different word to describe the same thing. And this taps into ancestral connection, which is 
these core beliefs, these dark laws don't just come out from nowhere. These are things likely that are passed down from generation to generation. So that's one way you can start working with somebody with ancestral connection is, you know, offer them this idea of the core beliefs or the dark law, give them a few examples and say, do you identify with any of these? And then, you know, you take some time and you, you tap in and you say, where might have this come from in my lineage? Does this seem like mom? Does this seem like dad? Does this seem like dad's dad, you know, grandpa or grandma? And then you can start to kind of intuitively trace back and you can even ask your parents like um, impatience. Uh, so this comes into the, the Transforming Your Dragons book. Um, this guy lays out core beliefs in the dark lock and kind of uh, um, personality traits. Um, impatience is one, martyrdom is one, um, self-deprecation, stubbornness, uh, and then there are two other ones. The ones that I identify with are um, self-deprecation, like I'm the worst person on the planet, and then the other one is, um, I always forget the word, um, where you think you're better than everybody. I don't remember what the dragon is called. Mm -hmm. And these dragons, they they come from you know, there's a, there's a tie with the core beliefs in there. And these dragons are all about, you know, they're not you. They're what happens to you when you are stressed, when you're poked at, when you're traumatized. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a really big topic. And that's, uh, that's one way going back into ancestral connection that like one reason somebody would want to do that um, is to start to unravel some of these core beliefs. And in much to what we were talking about before, these things will run on autopilot until we start to recognize like, oh, impatience. I really identify with that. And then to take some of the heat off of you and say, oh, that's not me. It, it's simply something that I go to when I don't feel safe. Okay. And then again, it's not me. Did that come from my dad? And did that come from grandma? Uh, so it really helps to disintegrate some of the shame of like my, my core belief. I don't really know if this is one that exists, but it's mine is I'm a bitch. Not only was I told it so much growing up, um, but I, 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 I felt it, I really internalized it. And it came from a place of, I feel like that's a kind of a surface level feeling of I'm not safe. Mm. And when I, when I started learning about these core beliefs and these, these so-called dragons, these personality traits to, to release decades of the chains of I'm a bitch or like, AKA I'm a bad person. I mean, and to realize that's not me, it's something that I can embody when I don't feel safe was like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. And then I can start seeing it in other people. You're not an asshole. You may being, be being like one right now and you're scared. That's why you're being like this. Okay, I'm gonna give you some space rather than argue with you because that's not gonna do anything. Well, the number one thing that I realized a long time ago was when everyone in the world is pissing me off and is stupid and is this and is that, and, is, and I have no compassion. I have no capacity for anybody. It's the times that I've been the hardest on myself. Absolutely. So then when I go in and I show up and I give myself empathy and I give myself compassion, 
oh, suddenly now everybody else isn't, I get it. And I can give that to somebody because I first had, I had to give it to myself Mm -hmm. before I can show that to somebody else. Mm -hmm. This sounds like a mirror work and shadow work that what irritates us can tell us a lot about ourselves. And then you can also flip it. I think like you were just mentioning where when we start to realize, oh, when I'm irritated, it's about me. It's not necessarily about the other person. They may have provoked the irritation, but that's not, it's not them. Yeah. And then you can start giving other people an understanding of when, when you're irritating them, oh, this isn't about me. This is about them. You know, mm-hmm. that gets really gnarly when you start to see the world through that lens of everything is a mirror. It's showing you where your hurts are and what you're irritated with can show you so much about yourself. And it doesn't give people a pass to be just a dime take all the time. Like there's, there's a little Absolutely. bit of that balancing space too, because it mm-hmm. is somebody, it's, it's my personal responsibility to clean up my shit. And it's your personal responsibility to clean up yours. And I can hold a little bit of compassion for you, but I'm also going to create a fierce boundary around myself. Yes. That if that is not a healthy space for me to be in, or as you listening, mm-hmm. if that's not a healthy space for you to be in, that does not give anybody a pass. Totally agree. To be a garbage person. Right. Yeah. I think doing the shadow work and the mirror work in conjunction with holding healthy boundaries is really where it's at. Mm -hmm. Uh, without the boundaries, I agree with you that, that it might start feeling like, um, yeah, people are giving, you're giving yourself a pass to be mean, uh, and disrespectful and, or you're giving other people a pass to do that to you. Yeah. Yeah. I had never really thought about, and it clicked as soon as you said it, Rachel, when you talked about core beliefs of, oh, I understand how when we are really young and in that, in that zero to seven age where we're taking on and we're creating pathways and and all the things that kind of happen in that really young age. Wow. I really understand how if somebody experienced the exact same thing that I did, that I might internalize it differently, or I might attach a core belief to that differently than somebody else. Oh, absolutely. And how that absolutely could be because of an ancestral connection mm-hmm. or what is in my lineage that wasn't in somebody else's. Oh, oh yes. Uh, kind of like trauma isn't what happened. It's, it's how you respond. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you, if you grew up with the core belief of I'm ugly, and somebody else didn't, uh, you're going to be affected by different things in the world, right? If you grew up with a core belief of I'm stupid and someone else didn't, uh, you're going to have a harder time in school or in, in, in the way we do school in the West. Mm-hmm. <laughs> little caveat there. Mm-hmm. Uh, then somebody else who has a different core belief. Absolutely. So it, they're really... Um, they're, they're, they're glasses, they're paradigms that we see the world through. Uh, and everybody, you know, there's categories that people are in. Um, Mm. and it's helpful to be aware of that. You know, you can start seeing, you know, people's hurts and, and, and their pain, uh, might very well be coming from a core belief that they have. This is, is semi-related, but not, uh, but a good friend and I were just talking and we were talking about Brene Brown. She's oh, like, yeah. eh, nah, I take her leave early. It's fine. Uh-huh. Like, really? <laughs> I love what she says and love how she does. And 
and my friend said, well, I just, I've never really felt like I didn't not belong. So it doesn't mm. really make sense. Oh, interesting. I was like, mm. oh, Oh, okay. Good yeah. for them. So that, yeah, I know. I was like, well, perhaps you need to be there. That they do a lot of things. That they do a lot. But it's in that same way of, of course, somebody else's words or a practitioner or a different type of healing. Or as you said in the beginning, Rachel, instead of boxing myself in, I started to expand mm-hmm. because those were things that I needed. And now I invite people to come along on that journey with me if it lands and resonates, because that might be something that you experienced or walked through. Absolutely. And if it's not, it's not. And that's cool. There's somebody else out there for you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Brene Brown. I, I had a recent conversation with somebody about that too. I was like, oh my God, you got to read this book. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know if I really like want it. And I'm like, read the fucking book. Just read it and tell me, tell me what you feel. Just do it. I think you're going to like it. It's the, um, the first one of hers I ever read was Daring Greatly. That's what I just finished. Oh. I know. And I just listened to her on a podcast today. We'll spend the next 15 minutes now gushing about how much we love Brene Brown. Um, yes. But I, I just there's the so much in that book. Um, it took me months to read because in just a page, I would learn a new concept and I would want to try it on and like live it before I started absorbing the next page, you know, because I felt like if I just read it straight through, I got to the end, I'd be like, well, there's a million things to start implementing. Like, where do I start? So Oh, I love that book. I'm pretty sure I've read it twice now. That's, that actually comes back to the same piece that we were talking to earlier about embodiment and, and in practitioners, but in how we do one thing is how we do everything. And Mm. there were so many things in life, whether it was getting the plaque on my wall or whether it was doing this or checking this off my list books that I read, that it was, how do I quickly move through this and pass this so I can get on to the next thing. And that's Mm. a practice I've started been doing is you set a timer for 10 minutes and that's how much you're going to read of this book today. Mm-hmm. And you're going to sit with this mm-hmm. and then you're going to put it down mm-hmm. because I want to, as you said, I want to live and experience and integrate this amazing lesson in mm-hmm. instead of quickly bypassing it onto the next thing. Bypassing is just the word we, and also we want, we live in a world of, um, like immediate gratification and we're taught that things need to happen really fast and we're also taught that completion has to happen like you need to read the whole book you need to go through the whole program and you need to do it in a linear process when in reality that's one of those molds that you are allowed to break right not everybody works that way i'm reading like five books right now and i'm allowing that to be i may never finish all of them and that's okay yeah because you get exactly what you're supposed to get out of it. Right. And if I only focus on, I need to finish this because, well, we can just stop right there. Who told me I needed to finish it? And, you and get a book and you read it and you finish it. That's right. what you're supposed that, to do. <laughs> right. That's, That's something cool. that can crumble. That could be an exercise for somebody who's like, ooh, I don't know about getting a book and not finishing it. Try it. Uh, and you know, what you're going to likely come up against is an uncomfortable feeling of I'm not doing what I think I'm expected to do and learning to be okay with that can, can be life-changing and then start be the, the catalyst for doing that with other things. 
there, it, there are no shoulds or shouldn't. That ties into a core belief. What does it mean about you if you don't finish? A exactly. Book? We're using that as an example, yes. but it, it gets to tie in. What does, what does that mean? Why yep. am I Absolutely. so tied to having to do this thing this way? And if I don't, it's a panic or it's, it, it has to have a reason why. Mm -hmm. I, that's the path I go down with a lot of my clients is what does it mean if you take a day off of work? Mm. What would happen if you did, Mm. you know, and a lot of responses can be like, well, I would feel bad. Why would you feel bad? Because I didn't go in. What does that mean about you? Well, that I didn't do my job. What does that mean? I'm a bad person. Oh, is that the first time you've ever felt that? Mm-hmm. No, I feel like that all the time. Yeah, I bet this is a core belief. Mm, I love that. I love how these random bits always, always when I have a podcast mm-hmm. and I'm talking to somebody else, all these random bits come together as this cohesive theme mm-hmm. and this overview of exactly what we're meant to be talking about today and what what somebody is meant, not even what we are meant, it's not about us. Not what we're meant to be talking about today, but what somebody is meant to hear today. That's what absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where Rachel can people find you if they want to dive into this a little bit more? Because I know we touched on, uh, we basically drove a dump truck, dumped it all over, gave everybody a little glimpse, and then yeah. like moved on to the next thing. Yeah. So my favorite place currently to communicate with people is Instagram. That's where I hang out most. Um, and my handle is slightly confusing. So stay with me. It's, it's Rachel K healing arts with an underscore between everything. So Rachel underscore K underscore healing underscore arts, no underscore. It will be in the show notes. You can just, okay. Yeah. They're (laughs) helpful. Um, so that's the place that I think mostly you know, it's kind of like a, I use that as a blog or like a journal of my life. Um, for somebody to get a flavor of, of who I am, I think that's the best place to go. The other place is my website, which is um, acupuncturewithrachel.com. My old business name with acupuncture right there. And I've struggled with that for a few years, <laughs> but whatever, I'll, I'm keeping it for a while at least. Um, that's another place where I really um, try to put my heart in the words there to help people decide, am I a right fit for you? Does this resonate with you? So that's the other place. Mm. Is there anything that we didn't touch on or talk about or any message for anyone listening that you want to leave them with? Oh, wow. Um, that's a question I maybe should have prepped you for before I asked you. No, I like not knowing. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I don't like rehearsed stuff. <laughs> Because then you have, I don't run things that way. Yeah. Uh, Because when you rehearse, then you can fail. But if you don't rehearse, you can't fail. Look at that. (laughs) I wonder what core belief that stems from. Yeah. Right. Um, So, what's coming up for me is if what I have to offer is intriguing to you. And there is also, with that in, intriguing feeling, there is a, um, a fear. I encourage you to um, 
do a little bit of thinking on what we mentioned of in the work that I do, in the work that we do, you have control. You have a say, and especially with working with spirits, if we have unhealthy boundaries with embodied people, we're likely going to be working with holding healthy boundaries with the spirit world. Know that you can have boundaries, right? So if something starts to feel uncomfortable, if some energy is coming through that you're like, I don't know about this, you can tell them to please leave, right? There are ways to do that. So it's not like you're opening up like, I didn't know that when I started, so I got inundated with some pretty funky stuff. Once I realized that I could set boundaries and say no, because I'd never done that with Jesus and God. I've never told them no. <laughs> so now when I say, oof, I'm not quite sure I'm ready for you yet. Blessings be to you. Have a good day. I'll let you know if I'm ready. Um, you, it's that type of energy. Um, so it's not like you're opening yourself up to everything and that that the devil is going to come and bring its dark energy, like, you know, that's not the type of work that I do. Um, I also encourage you to reach out if you have questions. Um, so much of the, the fear and blocks with doing this type of work uh, simply comes from maybe um, a, a, just maybe a little bit of tweaking uh, done on, on expectations and, and what it truly is versus what we've been taught about the spirit world. I love that. Yes. It makes somebody be in the lead and be in control and not there. You get to be in the driver's seat. Exactly. You get to say what's okay. You get to, have, you get to make those choices and Rachel gets to hold a space and create a container and help guide and lead you into something that's unfamiliar, but ultimately it's you. Exactly. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you. And thank you for everything. Thank you for opening up conversations for people that that this is brand new or that this was in the radar and they had a misconception about it mm. or even for challenging somebody to say hey if not finishing a book is really uncomfortable <laughs> for you lean into that because yeah. that gets to be a place that that's that's a wonderful practice to start it doesn't have to be working with somebody or doing something maybe that's a safe space for you to start in and that's okay. absolutely yeah or like don't clean your house one day. See how that feels. Oh, you know, man. things no, like that, that. Like that hits a. <laughs> <laughs> I um, yeah. will wrap it up. I cannot leave my house. I, I I choose not to leave my house without the dishes being done. Uh-huh. For the reason that if somebody breaks into my house, they're gonna think that I'm a messy person. <laughs> because I'm sure that when somebody's breaking into that's my deep. Home, that the first thing that they're going to check is to see how many dirty dishes are in the sink. For sure. This person is filth. Yeah. And they'll probably leave a Google review of that house yeah. being like, oh my God, it's so dirty. Megan <laughs> is dirty. Letting me steal all your things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That into my mind. Yeah. Uh, but Rachel, thank you so, so much. And mm. all your information's in the show notes. So everybody go check her out and ask the hard questions and start to experiment if you feel called to do so. And if not, this might hit you at a different point in time and that's when it's meant to hit you too. And that's really cool. So mm -hmm. thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Yeah. This has been great. Yeah.
Thanks for joining. Check out the show notes for more information on this episode. This podcast is currently available on Spotify and Anchor. To find out more about me and to work with me, head to my website, acupuncturewithrachel.com. You can also follow me on Instagram, rachel underscore k underscore healing underscore arts. For questions and ideas for future episodes, email me at acupuncturewithrachel at gmail.com. Looking forward to seeing you next time.